Welcome to another episode of the Sea Change Sessions with the Little Gale. My name is Barbara Rennan and I'm the project team lead of Sea Change and today's guest host. This podcast is about all things mental health, how we can break the stigma and how we can open that conversation and get more people involved. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely that of the podcast contributor and not that of Shine or Sea Change. So this week we're joined by Renee Von Medding. Renee, you're so welcome to join us. Thanks for coming on today. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you with us. So um, you have a website, reneevonmedding.com and also equalityforchildren.ie. So can you tell us about yourself and the work you do? Absolutely. So um, I am a same-sex parent, I'm married to my wife, Audrey, for six years, and we have two daughters together and um, we've been together 13 years. And I suppose before we had um, children ourselves, I was never like very much into activism or campaigning. I was pretty bad at being like <laughs> a part of our community. I never kind of really actively got involved. You know, I, I would share things on social media, but I never um, really committed any any time or energy into any of the the fights that our community was facing. I suppose because it it felt at times distant to me. We never necessarily wanted to get married. Um, when we found ourselves in the position, however, of starting a family and finding that our family was facing huge legal challenges, um, I suppose I was thrust into um, activism. And that's why I, I always refer to myself as an accidental activist, because it was not something, it was not something that I set out to do. And I never thought that six years down the line, I would be you know, speaking to people about this and, and working in this area. Um, but I suppose that's how a lot of people get started in activism. It's out of personal necessity, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, we, we got married anyways in um, 2016 and I was five months pregnant. So we had decided around the same time that marriage equality happened, we decided we were ready to start our family. Um, we, we decided that we were would um, go down the route of reciprocal IVF, which means um, it's when two partners kind of very physically share that experience of IVF. So we used my wife's eggs, donor sperm, and then I carried the pregnancy. So my wife is the genetic parent and I'm the gestational and birth parent. So for us, it was just absolutely perfect. And it was a beautiful way to start our family. And um, so I was pregnant when we were getting married and we were just in our own little bubble of happiness and joy and finally being treated equally and just so excited to start our family on equal footing. Um, and it was a really happy time in our lives. And a couple of months later, right before we had our first daughter, Ava, we found out that actually, no, it wasn't all going to be easy. It wasn't just straightforward. We just wrongly assumed that because we were now married that we'd be treated like a heterosexual married couple, um, which is, you know, there's an assumption of, of parentage within a heterosexual married uh, couple. And actually we found out that that was not gonna be the case, that actually, because I was giving birth, I would be put down as the birth mother. And my wife, Audrey, would have absolutely no legal connection to her own genetic child. And we just, we couldn't believe it. And we were devastated and it was, it was um, 
really difficult. You know, it's hard enough becoming a parent for the first time. Um, and then with all of that on top of it, it was um, it was a really difficult time. And we were just kind of trying to get by and do our best. Um, but we were really angry. We we're really angry about it. And, and especially with her being the genetic parent as well, like that's quite a different scenario for some people as well. So there's so many layers to that. So many layers. And I don't think, you know, I don't think that being a genetic parent should give anyone more right. But if, you know, some people's argument would have been, well, oh, well, you know, you can't um, forge a birth certificate. A birth certificate is a record of biology and, you know, kids DNA. And I'm and I'm like, OK, fair enough, if you want to go with that argument. But by that argument, she should be on the birth cert and not me. So that argument doesn't hold up at all. Yeah. And the whole thing with parentage and birth certificates, it's it's not about genetics. It's about giving the people who love and care for chil- their children on a day to day basis, the legal protections and powers to do that, to care for their children. It's not it's not about um, DNA or genetics and it never has been. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of how how it all started for us back in, in 2016. And from then on, um, I suppose I was trying to do bits here and there and I would, you know, do interviews and podcasts and bits of TV and just, you know, a lot on social media, trying to raise awareness because the majority of people that I talk to and the majority I still talk to often have no idea that this is going on. And you know, we just passed the six year anniversary of the marriage referendum. And it's shocking to think that it's six years on for marriage equality and we actually still don't have equality. We don't have what we voted for. Um, And most people who voted yes in that referendum still don't understand that we don't actually have equality yet. Um, So yeah, since then I've just been kind of trying to do whatever I could. and I suppose after the birth of our second daughter at the end of 2018, she was born New Year's Eve um, 2018. And the first day of 2019, I remember, you know, being in hospital with a newborn and just being outraged and just just really fired up, probably full of hormones, but like just fired up and angry at the prospect of having to go in to register yet another child as a single parent. And I was just so angry about it. And um, I think that really renewed a drive personally for me, just this is not okay. And we're not going to, we're not going to take this any longer. And um, so, you know, we put a lot of work in, in, in 2019 And again, it's something that I kind of resent having had to do because that was like my new family and a lot of time that was taken away from my new family and time I should have just been turning my phone off and just being with my family and a lot of time was taken away from them and that's not time I'll ever get back. Um, And and no one one should have to do that. Um, Towards the end of 2019, you know, thing, things had been kind of moving, moving along, but still there was no progression. And um, we, along with a group of other parents and some allies, decided to form a campaign group. And in October of 2020, no, in October of 2019, yes, before the pandemic, um, Equality for Children was was born and it just started as a campaign group of 
people who wanted to come together and fight for full equality for all children of LGBTQ plus uh, families in Ireland, regardless of how they were conceived or where they were born. And um, we had kind of just gotten up and running when the pandemic hit and, you know, had to pivot and figure out a way to bring everything online. And, you know, in some respects, it's been very difficult, but in other ways, it's helped just I think to grow as an organization and it's been really beneficial in some ways and we've managed to kind of grow and um, find our way through the last year and a half and it's um, it's actually really exciting now because we are having our first in-person kind of family picnic um, in a couple of weeks which will Amazing. be gorgeous um, and it's like the first kind of in-person event we've really been able to do which is um, you know since the start of 2020 so That's very nice. excited about that and um yeah things are things are starting to look up well that's fantastic and I think everybody is so ready to to be physically coming together after such a long period of separation aside from what it means for the work that you're doing as well so that's 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 wonderful and like you say really exciting to be looking forward to that and and can you tell us from your own experiences then what it looks like to be excluded you know you've you've kind of tipped off a little bit but really about what it, what that feels like okay so as it stands at the moment okay in the majority of lgbtq plus families the majority of families only one parent can be considered a legal parent to their child okay um you know there have been some progressions in the last year and now in certain circumstances, two women can both be uh, considered equal legal parents if they meet very specific criteria. But just for the for argument's sake, we're talking about the majority of families. Only one parent can be considered a legal parent. Now, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? What does that feel like? It pretty much feels like someone is telling you that you're not the same, you're different, you're children are different your children are less than your children are not equal um it's it's pretty much being told every single day that your family doesn't deserve the same protections as a traditional family does um practically that makes things very difficult for people um you know one example from my own experience is having to get passports for our for our kids um, in order to get a passport if both parents are not e equal legal parents the one who is an equal parent or a legal parent um, has to sign an affidavit go to a solicitor sign an affidavit basically signing away all knowledge of your partner or your spouse or your child's other parent and say i am a single parent i am the only person raising this child there is no other adult involved or responsible for this child you do that with the solicitor then you have to go to a guard station you have to explain your family to a guard who you've never met who may or may not be um sympathetic to you or kind to you and um get them to stamp a form and then you have to send it off and it's this whole hoopla and it's just really degrading and it's it's something that you shouldn't have to do. And I am aware that 
it's not just, um, you know, families like mine that find themselves in this situation. Sometimes single parents can find themselves in this situation or parents who are separated or, you know, there are there are lots of scenarios where this can happen. But, you know, from my point of view, that was one of the worst experiences of my life, along with having to actually physically go to a registration office and register our child by myself and have a registrar say to me, well, I'm not going to address any questions to your wife because that must be very hurtful. It's very hurtful. And it's, um, so I suppose like just practically it's, it, it makes things complicated. And, you know, for people who have had children through surrogacy, that's even more complicated. Um, So it, it, it does kind of put roadblocks in, in front of us. But that's just practically like on an emotional level. And I don't think we're going to see the scope of how this has damaged our families for years to come because people are just kind of trying to get through it at the moment. But um, it's really difficult even for us to kind of stop and try in some way to process what our family has been put through. Um, And that's, you know, been five years for us. Um, there are families who have children much older who have been going through this for decades, you know, who have had much less than we have now. Um, and the psychological toll that must take is, um, I don't think you can really quantify it, how that, that makes a person feel. And that's and it's, on top of being a parent. So like being a parent is challenging with all of that on its own before yeah. you start adding these layers as yeah. well. Yeah. So I just don't think there's any way to really um, kind of explain how how difficult that's been and how degrading and dehumanizing. And um, it's one thing when, you know, if it was if it was just aimed at myself and Audrey, my wife, that would be one thing. But it's it's our kids. It's our kids, actually, who are bearing the brunt of this and who are being treated differently. Um, And I think that's even harder to take, because as a parent, you would do anything for your kids and if anyone you know said anything bad to them or did anything to them you know you'd want to swoop in and fix it but to be in this situation where you just you feel helpless in a way like your hands are tied it's what can you do except do get by get through the days do your best try to protect them as best you can um hope that the the worst doesn't happen and that you know the the legal parent doesn't become ill or you know pass away or that there's not a breakdown in a relationship and you know there's so so many things to think of that you know do happen and um it's just uh, it's a huge emotional burden I suppose massive and and as you say like the practical side of things like I'm even imagining things like schooling or medical or you know just really simple practical things that you would never normally consider that there's so many extra layers and so many more hoops to jump through that some of them maybe you can't even jump through them it's just additional barriers all the way isn't it yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely and so thinking about the impact then because we're we're talking about exclusion really so thinking about the impact that that would have on the lgbtq plus mental health then because obviously mental health is what we really look at with sea change so what do you what do you think is the impact about that exclusion I think it's just it's a it's a very very negative 
impact because um, not only are people kind of choosing not to become parents because they see the obstacles and they see that it's too hard and they see that there are all of these challenges and you know they just can't take it on like that and that in of itself you know kind of receiving the messaging that you know maybe you shouldn't have a family because it, it's going to be too difficult for you you could you can but you're not going to be fully supported every step of the way like you would if you were not um you know if your if your sexuality was was different you know um so that messaging that people are receiving in in of itself is is damaging and is going to negatively affect mental health um you know every person regardless of gender identity, sexuality, whatever, socioeconomic status, everybody should have the right to become a parent and be fully supported in doing so, but our community simply doesn't have that. Um, and then if for those who, who are parents and find themselves in these situations where their family is not protected, it's just so debilitating to your mental health like as you said it's hard enough being a parent there are enough mental health challenges that we face it to like bring this into it is just you know sometimes tipping people over the edge um it's it's very hard and you know personally i have found it incredibly difficult and i am you know fortunate that i'm in a position to be able to access therapy when i need it and not everyone is in a position to do that and not everyone is um can recognize the need for that within themselves either. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly challenging. Yeah. And I think, you know, really from, from what you've said earlier on as well, even the understanding, you know, the assumptions that we make around what it is to be a parent, or as you said, the assumption that you guys made that, you know, like we're both involved in the, in the actual making of this baby. So we're assuming that we're both going to be a parent, you know, so I'd imagine even wrapping your head around some of that, before considering the actions that need to be taken in order to fix it don't mind the gap between what's needed and what's actually there to support and and how so it must take massive strength on your behalf to be able to go through all of those challenges and then to be able to stand up and say well actually I'm going to be an activist on this as well as deal with my own challenges and I think it's really wonderful that you've that you've mentioned about you know maybe getting support and getting therapy if that's what's needed because I think it really is around doing the things that we need to mind ourselves and to protect ourselves as we're going through these challenges. It's also hopefully setting up a much stronger way for your children to see that you're putting yourself first and looking after yourself so that you can look after them. You know, I think that's a, an amazing gift that you've given them. And so thinking about then if we could think about the change and if, if things could be different, because obviously being an activist, it's something that you're working towards improvement and change and things being different. So what would you like to see to help others feel less excluded? Um, I suppose like the, the main thing that we need is uh, robust legislation that's going to protect all family types, regardless of what they look like, regardless of how they came to be, regardless of where kids were born, how they were conceived. That's essentially what we need. Um, once that is in place, we need support structures for non-traditional families. You know, so I always ask people who maybe are parents and you know are in a heterosexual relationship, and I ask them to think about 
what are all of the supports that were available to you right from the moment you found out you were pregnant or right from the moment you decided to start trying? What were the resources? What websites did you go to? What information was made available to you? How did your GP interact with you? What were your hospital visits like? What financial supports were available? What workshops could you go to? What play groups could you go to once you had a child? You know, and ask them to think of all of those supports and those systems that were in place for them. And then ask them to, to think of, well, what if that was all taken away from you? What if that was all taken away from you and you were just guessing and you were just hoping that when you went to an appointment, that when you phoned someone or when you sent an email, you were hoping that the person on the other end of the line was receptive to your family type and was supportive of that and had up-to-date information, used the correct terminology, used the correct language. Imagine if you just had to hope that the other person had all of that in place, because at the moment, that's what it's like for LGBTQ plus parents. We're hoping that our care providers and our support systems understand how our families exist, how we create them and what we need. Um, so what I would like to see is for that not to be something that people have to hope for, but it's something that is just a given that it happens. It's just a given that when you're a heterosexual person having a child in a traditional manner, that the support systems are there, it's a given. So it should be a given that those same support systems are there for non-traditional families too. I imagine that must create a huge amount of anxiety thinking about that. You know, if I if I thought, well, if I lift the phone to this person and I'm halfway through a conversation and I hear their tone change mm -hmm. or I'm guessing all along, what are they thinking or can I share this information? I imagine that must be very, very difficult in addition yeah. to the reason that you're reaching out for the help, because that's already, you know, if you're looking for help in the first place, that's already a challenge, isn't it? It is. And, um, you know, it's 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 not always that complicated it's not always that complicated sometimes it's as simple as a care provider taking a step back and not assuming that they know anything about you and asking you um you know simple things like asking you what are your pronouns asking you do you have a partner what you know who is your partner don't assume that your partner is male. like i've had so many doctors and gps even when they have my file in front of them to ask about my children's father no or ask about my husband like they literally have my information in front of them but they just in this mindset of oh well she's she's presenting to me as female she has two children she must have a husband that must be you know? very difficult and particularly hurtful and even more so the fact yeah. that your file is in front of, of them that they yeah. haven't taken two was, minutes to, to check yeah. in on that yeah, yeah. Um, so sometimes it's as simple as as people just not making assumptions about you yeah. and asking you what do you need from me how can I support you um, please tell me what it is that you need and we'll take it from there 
I love that. And, you know, it's one of the things that that really we see from a mental health perspective, that that's what we say all along, that it's about it's not about having all the answers. It's not about knowing everything. And it is definitely not about assuming. And I think the other thing that that does is it's very empowering for the person to to be heard and to be seen and to show up. And it's one of the things that when people are asking us, well, how do I have a conversation about mental health or how do I get involved? We always say, you know, it isn't about it isn't about knowing everything and actually saying to somebody, I don't know, or I'm afraid I'm going to offend you. So I'd like to know what's the correct way to approach this. How would you like that? You know, or how would you like me to address you or, you know, and I think that in itself takes a lot of courage. But I think for us to start helping people have those conversations and I know certainly for me doing small things like having the pronouns on my emails and those kind of things so people know it's nothing to do with me but I'm open to that conversation if that's what you need so I think if we can start being a little bit more open to saying to people well maybe I don't know or don't have the answers that will help massively and thinking about then um, because I think for for the people listening, you know, the the kind of things that you've been talking about are so massively important, but for some people, they're kind of too far away. So Mm -hmm. it is a little bit about bringing a little bit more. So like that, I know I was able to change my pronouns. So are there are there other kind of things that you could see or that you could suggest to people from a smaller change or for a more individual you know, if, if I'm to be more supportive or if I'm to get involved, you know, is there something there in the changes that we could see, uh, you know, rather than the bigger societal things, how we could help those things to happen? Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I love bringing it back to those small things of putting your pronouns in your email signature, putting them in your Instagram bio, putting them in your link on your LinkedIn page. It's such a small act, while to you it may seem like nothing, but to somebody else that could mean everything. You know, I've heard stories of, you know, kids who maybe have had, you know, really difficult experience growing up and then their parents start using their pronouns in, in you know, as in their email signature and just that show of support to someone can just mean everything and, and make the world a much safer place and make you a safe person for that, for the, you know, for that individual. And I think as, you know, from my point of view, as a, as an LGBTQ plus parent, you know, when other people kind of share things and they might, might not necessarily be parents themselves or, you know, this might not be an issue that very directly impacts them. But when I see people sharing things online, talking about things online and saying, this is not okay. I don't really understand all the ins and outs of this, but this is where you can go for information. And people kind of just engaging and educating themselves as opposed to just standing back and saying, oh, that's awful. It's, It's nothing to do with me though. And those people will fight for that. So that's grand. You know, it doesn't necessarily take people having to actually get involved in the campaign, but you are inadvertently getting involved just purely by sharing things and talking about things and, and trying to learn more. Um, You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in always trying to learn more about those issues that you don't necessarily know a lot about. And yeah, I'll be the first person to hold my hands up and say, 
I don't really know about this topic. Please tell me if I'm not using the correct language. You know, I'm learning here, you know, and I think that's what it's about. It's just about being willing and wanting to learn, wanting to have uh, a better, more inclusive, more open um, society and just a really just open conversations, you know. Um, I never get offended when people ask me questions when they're coming from a place of wanting to know more. Um, because I, I there's two types of people. There's types of people who want to ask you questions just for voyeurism and for, you know, and they'll ask really inappropriate questions. And I have no problem telling those people where to go very quickly. But then the majority of people are afraid to ask questions and then maybe we'll get the courage up to kind of ask you something and they're just really interested and they don't know about it. Um, and I will always, always answer those questions and then hopefully that person will know more and will know for the next time they encounter someone with a similar looking family to me. Um, I will always um, correct people in, you know, with the best of intentions because people a lot of times will say, will use the term father instead of donor. And I will just tell them that's, you know, not the correct term. We use the term donor, um, you know, but it's just about being open to these conversations. And yeah, I think when your heart is in the right place, um, people can genuinely kind of read that from you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I'm hearing that really it is about having conversations about it's about having a little bit of uh, courage and vulnerability isn't it um, and and it, it is about the small things so that that piece around um changing a pronoun so for anybody who's who's listening we're, we're talking about the, the she her him his those kind of things and and if you don't know about that like you say go and find out find out a little bit more information and and ask because I think yeah. that's one of the things again that we do with with mental health and and around stigma particularly is this idea of if you don't know ask and if you don't know today is the day to go and find out yes. so so thinking about those supports can you signpost our listeners to anywhere where they can either find out more information or if they really want to get involved if there's something that you'd like to to bring people's attention to sure um so as i kind of mentioned like with regards to actual supports and a framework for LGBTQ plus parents, unfortunately, there aren't that many supports at the moment. Um, and that's one of the things that we're working to change. Um, if people want to know more about the Equality for Children campaign, they can um, visit equalityforchildren.ie. We also are on Instagram and Facebook at Equality for Children. We are on Twitter at Equal Children. Uh, people can also follow me personally. I'm at Renee Von Medding. I'm across all the platforms, but my happy place is usually Instagram. Um, and I'm always happy to chat to people. And if people have questions, you know, they can feel free to DM me or send me an email. And um, I would love to sign post people to one organization that um, obviously is very specific to this topic of mental health. And that is Insight Matters, um, which is a a center based out of Dublin, but they do um, Zoom consultations and they offer um, mental health support. And they are uh, an LGBTQ plus run and led organization. And um, I couldn't recommend them more. Um, I think it's very affirming to be able to access therapy um, with, you know, which is centered around our community, really. 
Um, yeah. And they do a lot of work with minority groups as well. So there's there's a lot of information there. It's absolutely wonderful, yeah. wonderful yeah. link to, to shout yeah. out to. Yeah, so those would be the, the, the main the main ones, yeah. Fantastic. So with all of our conversations that we have and through the Sea Change podcast, we love to end with a message of hope. So what would your message of hope um, be that you'd like to end with? My message of hope would be that things are changing and things are getting better. And while we are in this position of um, having to fight for basic human rights, we have come a long way. And, you know, if this were 20 years ago, my family just simply would not exist. So we are moving in the right direction. And I hope that one day very soon, all families will be treated equally, regardless of sexuality, gender identity, um, or how children were conceived or born. That's wonderful. And it, and it really is about that, isn't it? The change sometimes is a slow process. But I think even the fact that we're having these kind of conversations and people are more open even to listening in and thinking about, I don't know about that and I want to find out a bit more. That's wonderful to see and to see people engaging in that way. Renee, it's been wonderful to hear about the work you do. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing a little bit about your life and your story with us. I really appreciate your time. Um, so again, just to let people know that we're going to put the, the links to the, the places that you've suggested into the description below. Um, and we will, we will have them on our social media as well. So thank you so very much for your time. Thank you for having me. For those listening, if you've been affected by anything brought up in today's podcast, we've listed the helplines in the podcast description for you. If you want to find out more about what we do at Sea Change, about how to get involved in reducing mental health stigma, or more about our wonderful ambassadors, please visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or of course on our website, seachange.ie.